This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Reckless speculation. It's Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Now launching. Mackie and Judd. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? Wall, second year man out of Georgia. And he pushes this one wide right. This is a 55-yard attempt. And Walsh's kick is no good. 48-yard attempt by Walsh is no good. And Walsh, no good. McDermott is the snapper. And the kick is no good. Wow. Go. What happened with Blair, in my opinion, is it... You know, he lost a lot of weight. He was trying to be more fit. And when he lost the weight, he lost the strength. He lost the strength. He changed his technique, and then he wasn't as successful. That's something I tried to stop, and I and, uh, didn't get it stopped. That is not going to work. And he missed it again. He missed it again. And we'll end this crazy game in a tie. I was unfortunate for Daniel because obviously he, nobody wanted to make it more than he did, and he felt like he let our team down. And, and as I told him, you know, obviously he didn't mean to do it. He didn't mean to miss those kicks. He's a fine young man. He's a fine kicker. He belongs in this league at some point, and he just wasn't quite ready for that um, situation. So unfortunately for him, unfortunately for us, uh, we had to make a change. And uh, at the end of the day, hopefully we're better off because of it, and we'll kind of go from there. What happened with Blair, in my opinion, is it. You know, he lost a lot of weight. He was trying to be more fit. And when he lost the weight, he lost the strength. He lost the strength. He changed his technique, and then he wasn't as successful. That's something I tried to stop, and and I uh, didn't get it stopped. I need help. I need immediate <laughs> help. I need I need a lot of help and explanations here. Can somebody explain to me? Mike Prefer's contract was up as the Vikings um, uh, as the Vikings special teams coordinator. He had been here since 2011, and we just played an array of highlights of missed kicks under kickers who seemed to decline under Prefer's watch. Now, I would think, you know, special teams co- coordinator Manny Hill does a lot of things, but I would think that the special teams coordinator, one of the most important jobs is getting the most from the field goal kicker, the, the little guy who trots on the field and essentially has your fate in his foot, on yep. his foot when he's kicking. So let me get this straight. I just played you highlight packages or something like that of Blair Walsh and <laughs> Daniel lights. Carlson missing for goals. Exactly right. Low lights. I then played you this goofy explanation this year about how Blair 
evidently thought he was going to be a model, and so he decided to lose all this weight, and that's why he became an ineffective kicker after having an excellent rookie season. And then I played you the day after the Green Bay game when Daniel Carlson, who the Vikings traded up to draft, cut because he missed three key field goals against Green Bay, which resulted in the game being a tie instead of a Viking win, which in retrospect would have been a big deal. Anyway, all of that, all of that, and yet the reports at the surface this afternoon was, or were, I, I should say, Star Tribune and uh, Tommy from National Football League Network, uh, the reports at the surface from those places were that Prefer wasn't going to come back, and then Pelissero, NFL Network, reported that the Vikings actually had offered Mike Prefer a contract, but that Atlanta, Detroit, and Cleveland also had made contact, and that he was immediately taking the job, that he had declined the Vikings' opportunity to return under a new contract because he was going to take the job as the Cleveland Browns um, special teams coordinator instead of coming back here, to which my response would be, Mike, don't let the door hit you in the ass because we were going to fire you regardless. I will. This will be. This will actually go down. The more I think about this now, as I give this more thought, this is going to go down as one of the greatest mystery assistant of assistant coaches in Vikings history. This man in 2014 was found out to talk, to make homophobic slurs mm-hmm. that Chris Cluey, no matter what you think of Cluey, Prefer still said this stuff. Yes, so Cluey yes, didn't did. make this up, okay? That Prefer in meetings talked about nuking an island. And we all know where that went and what he was. And instead of the Vikings saying, you know what, we can't, we're not, no, 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 no. We're not going to do this. You're not good enough to justify it, and we're just not going to do this. Mm-hmm. We might not like Cluey either, and he's gone, but you're gone too. They allowed their special teams coordinator in 2014 to be suspended for the first three games of that season. Suspended. They put up with it. They put up with him. They put up with the embarrassment. They put up with the suspension. And then, all right, fast forward now through all of the kicking woes. The kicking woes are a big deal. I don't care about your coverage. Your coverage is important. I'm not saying it's not. But you know what? The kickoff's going away. Very soon, we're going to get to the point in time where they put the ball at the 25-yard line to begin possessions, and kickoff coverage is going to be done. It's not going to be part of this game. Mm -hmm. The kicker is one of your most important, and punter. And yet this year, you drafted a new kicker. You went out and you cut your old punter, who, by the way, I thought was fine, but somebody, some genius, probably Prefer, decided, oh, we can improve on him. Brinkley was really good. So, yeah. So this is one of the, this to me is one of the greatest assistant coaching mysteries that the Vikings have ever had. How did Mike Prefer keep his job from 2011 through 2018? And furthermore, have an offer to come back with a contract extension after he not only helped ruin Blair Walsh, and, you know, I love this, but it's the biggest bunch of BS I've ever heard. What happened with Blair, in my opinion, is he, you know, he lost a lot of weight. He was trying to be more fit, and when he lost the weight, he lost the strength. He lost the strength, he changed his technique, and then he wasn't as successful. That's something I tried to stop, and I and, uh, didn't get it stopped. There was a time I, I liked... <laughs> something I tried to stop. I know, and there was a time when I covered the Vikings that I actually liked Prefer, but if you're going to blow sunshine at least make it plausible at least make it believable at least don't come up with my kicker basically tried to lose weight and i tried to stop and i tried to stop it all right so we got so we got that one and then you go through so but mike briefer not only ruined young he then gets his hands on dan bailey one of the most accurate kickers in the history of this league and Mm -hmm. all right he's not the same kicker 
But Dan Bailey looked like a mess, too. How did he get an offer for a contract extension before the Browns, thank God for the Cleveland Browns, came in here and parachuted this guy away? I'll tell you what, too. I will be, on my free time, however much of that I will have next season, I will be closely monitoring the Cleveland Browns kicking situation next year. I will be closely watching to see how whoever the Browns kicker is, because the Browns had some kicking problems early last season, too. And I think they did they end up cutting their guy because their guy missed a bunch of kicks on opening on week one or something. Correct. Like that. So. So I don't know who the Browns kicker is going to be in 2019, but I will be monitoring that situation very, very closely. Just just out of curiosity to see if. Uh, to see how that whole situation goes out there in Cleveland under Mike Prefer. And the Cleveland Browns just hired the guy who on his resume has this. Wall, second year man out of Georgia. <laughs> and he pushes this one wide right. This is a 55-yard attempt. And Walsh's kick is no good. 48-yard attempt by Walsh is no good. And Walsh, no good. McDermott is the snapper. And the kick is no good. Wow! Go figure. Blair Walsh drafted by the Vikings, SEC from Georgia, on Prefer's advice saying, I can fix him. He didn't have a great last year at Georgia, but I can fix him. And he had the great rookie season. And then Blair Walsh blew up to the point where he couldn't make a field goal in a playoff game against the Seahawks. They still stuck with him. Mm -hmm. It bit him in the ass until they finally said that they had to cut Blair Walsh. Prefer kept his job. And so a few years later, Prefer then says... Hey, Rick Spielman. And Rick says, yeah, what's up, Mike? Let's go to the SEC kicker well again. I got this guy, Daniel Carlson. I can fix him for sure. That is not going to work. And he missed it again. He missed it again. And we'll end this crazy game in a tie. Guys, put the egos in check for a second. And now Vikings go hire a special teams coordinator. The coverage units can be average. Hire a special teams coordinator who can actually work competently with a kicker. And, oh, by the way, also, tell that coordinator that part of his agreement will be Zim will never get near the kicker. I don't want Mike Prefer or Mike Zimmer ever near a National Football League kicker that's in the Vikings' employ ever again. Ding, ding. I don't know if there's one most important thing, I think, Probably just getting our best players in, in position to make plays is, is the lead goal. Um, but certainly the other things you mentioned are, are part of it. But as I look at this thing, it's, it's my goal uh, to make sure our, our best players, our playmakers are, are getting the ball um, to score a bunch of points. That, that's the goal. You know, you score more than the other team, you get a, a W. So it's kind of simple as I look at it. But, you know, when you, when you pull it apart and you identify your guys, that's going to be our goal. Play to our strengths. Kevin Stefanski officially hired today as Vikings offensive coordinator. That was from uh, the press conference he did at uh, TCO Performance Center in Egan late this morning. Just listen to the first part again because it's one of my... He Kevin says almost nothing in this press conference, which is not unusual because I'm sure, uh, as he called him coach, I'm sure Zim said, say as little as possible. But the clear <laughs> shot here at Filippo is fantastic. I don't know if there's one most important thing, I think, Probably just getting our best players in, in position to make plays. Oh, you mean like Dalvin Cook, who yeah. was ignored 
Last year, I know Dalvin Cook. I struggle with this a little bit because I know that he hurt the hamstring against Green Bay, and I know that that slowed him. So in fairness to the entire staff, you cannot say that Dalvin Cook should have been effective for 16 games because he missed time. They brought him back on that silly pitch count, which was a dumb move for the Rams game. Mm -hmm. So... It's not realistic to say that there should be a 16-game sample size of Dalvin Cook's 2018. But what it is realistic to say is, and this is what I love about football people again. And this is where the egos are so overwhelmingly out of control. And this is where they think we're all just really just simpletons who don't get their sport. You, me, my wife... Who likes the sport? Not a big fan. <laughs> my dog, who is either pooping now or on my couch, <laughs> one of the two. If I was to present an office, no, <laughs> because because if she poops on the floor, I'm upset. If she poops on the couch, I'm livid. Okay, she knows she can only press the old man so far. The old man can only be pushed so far, Jonathan Harrison. So thank you very much. But I love the notion. That he's sort of saying, yeah, we got to get our key guys involved. How do, why now? <laughs> like, no, but honest to God. I, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm asking this from the, sim- not trying to melt down, just from the simplest question, okay? Dalvin Cook, you've got Dalvin Cook. And he is saying right there, let's get Dalvin Cook involved. No, where's the dump button? No bleep. Get down. No, but seriously. Yeah, no, I know. These guys all, they all believe, or they don't all, a lot of them believe that they invented the sport somehow. Mm-hmm. That they, and, and this is not on Stefanski, but he is now, he is now basically saying, I was hired to get our playmakers involved. Think about that for a second. Think about that. They could basically saying the guy that preceded him didn't do that at all. And you know what then? But you know what that speaks to? Manny Hill, that speaks to then the guy who oversees the entire team has to put his little defensive dunce cap down and mosey on over from the defense and say, I'm not going to tell you to run the ball more. I'm not going to tell you to incorporate Dalvin Cook in the pass game more. Or suggest, I should say. That's a better word. I'm not going to suggest these things, John. I'm going to tell you that they will happen on Sunday. Mm -hmm. George Edwards, come here. You're going to take over for this weekend. Defensive play calling. Yes, it's my pride and joy, and I love it, but I'm going to make damn sure that in a season with high expectations, offensively, we're on the right track. And instead, it's now up to Stefanski to incorporate these things. This ain't, this ain't hard. This ain't math. I mean, or science. It's not calculus. This is remedial football 101. I mean, George Edwards has been the defensive coordinator for five years. Isn't it about time for Mike Zimmer to let him during a game on game days? Or he just should let him let him run the one defense. Or two, one He's been two, here for five years. One of two things. Do that or fire him. Like if you don't, don't yeah, trust him, because then just like, fire him. Otherwise, why the hell is he here? Exactly. Why is George Edwards here if you're not going to let him coordinate? Why is he the defensive coordinator if you're not going to let him coordinate the defense on Sundays? Because these guys are so smart. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. So long, losers! On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. Please, continue. On 1500 ESPN. All right, quick check on traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. we got a crash... Highway 100 northbound in St. Louis Park. 
uh, between Cedar Lake Road and 394. That may be causing a bit of a delay. And also 35E southbound uh, in Little Canada near uh, Little Canada Road. We've got a crash there as well, maybe slowing things down. Judd? Thank you, Manny Hill. Mackie and Judd, Phil will join the show at 4 o'clock. Until then, it is Zolgad, Manny, and Jonathan Harrison. And joining us right now, our buddy Matthew Collar, who does a, a fantastic job covering the Vikings at 1500ESPN.com for us. And he was out at the Kevin Stefanski introductory press conference today and just got done uh, penning, writing a column for us about that. So I'll start you off with this. What was the need for what should have been a, a day of not celebration, but hey, this guy got a job after being under the Vikings employee for a long time, Matthew? What was the need for this thing to get awkward? Because your column certainly paints a picture of an awkward, an unnecessarily awkward afternoon or late morning. Well, I, I think that all of us who were there with the media were shocked at how awkward it was. Because when you go to these, when someone gets a job that they've been working for for years and years and years with the organization, your expectation is that you're just going to say, hey, are you excited to have the job? And the guy's going to go on and on about how excited he is to have the job, and then we've all got our stories written. And that was not the case at all here today. It was very uncomfortable from the from the outset with the way that uh, even Mike Zimmer acted during the press conference. He asked the, the PR staff to wrap up Stefanski's press conference a couple times, and he acted like he was joking, but I don't think he was. And, you know, he's done that on a, a number of occasions just you know, where he says that he doesn't want to do his media availability or whatever. So it's, it's not super unique to Zimmer, but it was surprising to see him do it during this moment for Stefanski, which should be pretty exciting for him. And instead, it wasn't that way. And then uh, the answers that Stefanski gave to numerous <laughs> questions that, that Vikings fans want to know. I mean, it, it was like he was answering with his dad standing next to him with his arm crossed or something. I mean, that's how this thing felt. I mean, if you have a question about the Vikings offense, you did not get your answer today and, and nowhere close. Yeah, he kept saying things like, coach will decide this or that. And, and here's the problem there. That's not true. If Mike had gotten up there today and said, gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, I'm changing my plan here, my course of action, one of the things I'm going to do in 2019 is I'm going to give up defensive play calling and be more involved with the entire football team, then Stefanski's responses would have made more sense. But we have seen nothing in Mike's time here to indicate he has that great of interest uh, in getting involved offensively. So... Kevin Stefanski in 2019, Matthew Collar, is going to have to sink or swim by himself. So the fact that he kept deferring to me, I didn't like. Yeah, I was very surprised by that. I counted six different times where he said something to the effect of, well, like Coach Zimmer said, or I'll defer to Coach Zimmer on that sort of thing. And I, I guess the whole the whole feel was just very tense and, and uncomfortable. And the fact that uh, he wouldn't even talk about Kirk Cousins. That was very strange, too, because you expect him to say, yep. oh, yeah, Kirk and I have the best relationship of all time, and uh, we're best friends, and we're going to go skiing together this off season or something. And it wasn't anything like that. He was asked what the communication was like with Kirk Cousins, and he said, well, I try to communicate with all the players. <laughs> Like that is that is a that is a week thirteen answer. That is not a I just got the job of my life answer. And you know I think what it all points to is you know this isn't a, a huge deal in, in the you know grand scheme of things, but it just shows you the type of pressure that is on everyone out there at TCO Performance Center. I mean you you've got a head coach who's in the last year of his contract. 
You've got a general manager who's in the last year of his contract, and Kevin Stefanski, uh, it was reported that he signed a two-year deal. So you're not talking about anybody who has really strong job security, and I think they all know that this offseason can make or break them, whether they fix the offensive line, whether they keep the defense together, add some extra weapons, and ultimately all of their fates rest in the hand of, of Kirk Cousins, really. So, I mean, I, I think that this is a general feeling of they know – that they came way short of their expectations this year, yep. and there isn't a whole lot to celebrate, and they know that if they do it again, we're going to be talking about a coaching search this time next year. Okay, here's what I don't get, though. When the pressure gets turned up, and you know, keep in mind, too, we are months and months away from camps and training camp. When the pressure gets turned up, I have found that the best way, especially uh, around this time, to diffuse things is to lighten things up, not get, get more intense, because, my God, if it's intense now, what's July going to be like? Uh, what is Zim doing here? I, I'm I'm confused here, because this this seems to me to be a play that's going to ultimately sabotage himself. Well, I, I think that Mike Zimmer is very bad at holding his cards tight to the best, and when he's feeling a certain way or thinking a certain way, it's very obvious, even to us, that just gets to see him for, you know, a couple minutes a day or whatever when he talks to us. It's usually whatever he's thinking and feeling is out on his sleeve. I mean, we talked about the potential firing of Filippo what, six weeks before it actually happened? Because he showed us all of his cards with the way he acted toward Filippo, And I, I think that that's what we have here now. You know, I think that his frustration over the season, his concern over what's going to happen and and his understanding that he's not going to keep this job very long if they don't step up next season. I mean, I I think that that's all reflected on the way that he acts toward the media. I mean, I I couldn't care less whether anybody answers a question with great specifics or not in a press conference about getting a new job. Right. Just the whole look, the whole look and the whole feel of the thing was notable. I mean, it would have been about the easiest thing in the entire world for Zimmer to go up there and say, oh, I've wanted this guy to be my OC for a long time, and, and this is so great. It just And the same thing with Stefanski. It could have been, you know, this is a, the best moment of my life, right? And instead it was, yeah, uh, I'm just going to get back to work. And here's the weird thing. They are, are in, they're in a town here where the beat people do a really good job, but we are as far away from Chicago, New York, Boston as you can possibly get, right? Like, for the most part, their their flagship station is, is basically got pom-poms out, which is fine. It's how it works. I get it in this town. But if Mike Zimmer really thinks that he in any way, shape, or form is persecuted or, or his feet are held to the fire in this town as far as that team goes, man, if he goes to a different uh, team, he is going to learn a rocky lesson that it is as easy as it can get here, I think. Well, I think that one thing that this media does a very good job of, and, and, and I appreciate about the, the beat crew, is that it's never personal. I mean, that, you know, you have, say, a, a player like Trey Wayans, who for, as far as I could tell, four years has basically never talked to the media, and nobody hammers him for it. And, you know, with Mike Zimmer, there are many, many times where as we're going to interview him, he insults us in some way or another. And, you know, he sort of plays it off like a joke, but after the 15th time, it's not really. But you know what? It's like you don't see shots taken at him like you see uh, really harsh ones in other medias. And, you know, I, I think that he doesn't have much appreciation for that, for one. But also, 
the guy, if he feels persecuted now after coming so short of the expectations for this team, I mean, imagine if they get off to an 0-2 start or something next year. Yep. And that has always been the question. It's always been the question about Mike Zimmer. Can he handle pressure? <laughs> Is he too emotional? And, man, I mean, what have we seen in terms of evidence against that? I, I mean, he seemed to get it together in uh, 2017 in terms of handling some of the tougher times, and he deserves credit for that. I didn't think he went off the deep end necessarily when things got tough, but he also hammered his offensive coordinator repeatedly in the media for you know a good four weeks before firing him. And then that would make you question that as well. So I think that when I look at today, I think it's just a lot of what we're going to get next year, a lot of very uncomfortable conversations that are going on, a very defensive tone, a defiant tone from the team. And, and maybe Zimmer is able to spin that around and make that work for them. Or maybe he lets it crush them. I mean, I think we've seen it go both ways. Help me out here, because this now to me will go down as one of the biggest mysteries among Vikings assistant assistant coaches of all time. What the hell did Mike Prefer know, or who did, did he have photos of, or whatever it was that made them continually try to bring back a guy? And he and he left after being offered reportedly a contract extension for Cleveland. What did he do that made him so special? When I keep coming back to the fact that with kickers, he was not good at all. And kickoff coverage and that type of thing is going away. So what on earth made him so special that this team went through hell and high water to try and keep him at every turn? Well, I do think that there was um, a pretty big gap from year-to-year basis between how they returned punts, how they covered punts, which I think would probably draw some eye rolls from a lot of people, and maybe that's fair. But, you know, when you're looking at the coverages, you're probably focusing on, you know, uh, how the technique was of the players. I know one thing that they really loved about Prefer was the fact that, you know, players would, you know, be signed for special teams as undrafted guys and then, you know, become significant players. And we saw that from quite a few people, and, and even Anthony Harris and Holton Hill this year, but Anderson Dejo in the past and, and a number of other guys. So, now, I think that there was more to it than just he couldn't handle kickers. But, you know, I mean, we're talking about a special teams coordinator here. And if there's a problem with kickers, that's about your most important uh, position there is. And they really botched last year for sure with letting Kai Forbath go and then going with a rookie and then signing a veteran who, to me, was pretty washed up to begin with. And, and so, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a thing where they have an opportunity now to maybe uh, bring someone else in that, that takes a different approach with kickers. Uh, but um, I, I wasn't super, super surprised to see that he was going to be gone. My yeah. guess is that, um, you know, I mean, without knowing 100% for sure, it's hard to say this, but mm-hmm. when Mike Zimmer has to defend his reputation as being hard to work with, that's kind of like if you have to tell people, no, no, I'm not an alcoholic. But you probably are, right? I mean, right. just well, like, yeah. Like if, if you're having and with no, yeah. to tell people that, yeah. we've already got that far. And you know, you you just wonder at this point if Mike Prefer sees the writing on the wall. Cleveland is an exciting place to be right now, as weird as that sounds, uh-huh. uh, with their trajectory and the Vikings. I think everyone knows they're getting canned if Kirk Cousins does not play well next year, and and that'll go for the special teams coordinator too. So I can see why. Uh, Mike Prefer would want to bail. Cleveland's kicker is screwed. That's my prediction. That's my write that down at 4 o'clock. Whoever Cleveland's kicker is in 2019, that young man is screwed. Mike Prefer did not, I don't think, other than Walsh's first year, I'm trying to think if he took anybody and, and actually helped them and improved them, 
And I think the answer is no. I really do. And it is, it's the one thing that they, Collar, the one thing that the the administration has to tell the new special teams uh, coach is this. We will not let Zim near the kicker. We won't let him talk to him. We won't let him near him. We won't let him watch him in practice. You are in charge of the kicker. And besides that, he's going to be wrapped in bubble wrap because we do not want the head coach anywhere near our kicker. Well, and this is part of the conversation about just the future with Mike Zimmer here and what they're in for. Because when you look at on the defensive side, they have been nothing short of brilliant for his entire time here outside of 2014. But even then, the jump they made from 2013 was remarkable. And this year, I'll get tweets about the defense being the problem. But when you're number one on third downs, number one in the red zone, uh, top five in yards allowed, I have a really tough time thinking that the defense was uh, any part of the issue this year. So when you look at that part of the, the game, he has been exceptional. But when you look at these other parts, there are major questions to be asked. Uh, you know, if guys are leaving because they don't want to work with him or trying to take other jobs instead uh, or, you know, whatever it might be, getting frustrated around him or he's letting the, the pressure get to him in, in the way that he either treats players or, or other employees. I mean, that's, that, that's where we get really, really tense. And that's why yep. next year when we get to camp, I'll be very interested to see what the tone of camp is. I mean, is it the we're going to prove you wrong sort of thing, which I, I'm never offended by, like, okay, you know, that's fine. I would expect them to improve as a team overall. But, you know, like the, uh, you know, is that going to be the tone or is it going to be everyone's out to get us? Because I do think there's a difference between we're proving you wrong and everyone's out to get us. One is like, okay, we can rally together. The other one is you're probably on your deathbed. I think the tone, I think opening night of training camp, the meeting that he's going to hold is going to be a very simple, old-school, cliched, and boring by now, but I think this is it. Us against them. It's us against them. Nobody believes the media is out to get me, which means they're out to get you. Everybody's against you. You know, here we all, everybody thought a year ago that you were great and it didn't work out. And by the way, it's their fault, not yours. And so it's us against them. I think that is going to be the Zim July 26th message to his entire team and that entire organization is that they're all out to get us and that we're going to prove them wrong. Well, and that's where you wonder, I mean, is everyone going to buy that at that point? I mean, is it have the key players on this team heard that and the key employees on the staff, have they heard that too many times to where if it's the fifth year in a row of everyone's out to get us, is it all of a sudden like, nah, it's not really them, man, it's you, and we just got to win. And that's where you have to wonder. I don't think that in any way Zimmer lost the team last year. Uh, but I think that the potential exists, and I thought that the potential existed in 2017 as well, and they staved it off with a big win in Chicago. And thank you, Pat Shermer, for adjusting your game plan on the fly for Case Keenum to go win that game and Harrison Smith to get a big interception and the Bears not be that good. But that seemed to springboard them into believing that they could be what they were expected to be in 2017. But but now, I mean, you just wonder what that vibe is going to be. You could see why there was reason to bounce back after that. You could see why there was reason this year to believe in Super Bowl or bust because of the roster that they have and what they had achieved the previous year. But this year, what is the message? How are you actually going to get people to believe it's us versus them when really, I mean, we had nothing to do with them going 8-7-1. Thank you, sir. Talk to you later.
Thanks, Judd. Bye-bye. Matthew Collar, 1500ESPN.com. Check out his work right now. He does have a column up on the introductory press conference for new offensive coordinator Kevin Stefanski. And just how extraordinarily uncomfortable the situation at TCO Performance Center became during the course of that press conference. Up next, our guy Doogie steps into the TCL broadcast studios and we get a scoop. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Just a reminder, this station does not endorse this. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue. Well, here we are again. Yeah. On 1500 ESPN. And this portion of Mackie and Judd is brought to you by Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores. Proud sponsors of the Beer Show on 1500 ESPN. All right, TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie joins the show at uh, 4 o'clock right now. It's Judd, Manny, Jonathan Harrison, and our good buddy, Darren Doogie Wolfson, Channel 5 Eyewitness News, and the master of the Scoop, Scoop Podcast. You can find that uh, iTunes. You can find that uh, 1500ESPN.com, Podcast One. Hello, sir. How are you? Good afternoon, Judd. Hello, gentlemen. TGIF. Yes. A new podcast posted last night, Amani Hooker. Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, second team All-American, Iowa Hawkeye safety. He's leaving early. He declared for the NFL draft, so I caught up with him on the phone. You got some twins training too, down right? in Florida. Twins news as well, right? Yeah, and yeah, certainly, yeah, the Byron Buxton scoopage that some others picked up on today. But yeah, the Byron Buxton deal was done yesterday, $1.75 million. And also a conversation with Cole Aldrich about Ryan Saunders. Cole and Ryan actually go back. Even further than the two years that Cole was in a Wolves uniform a number of years ago, the old Minnesota Magic AAU team. Yeah. Cole's just a couple years younger than Ryan. Ryan actually coached Cole's team for a stretch. A May, an April, May. I don't know if it was just a spring stretch or into the summer, but for some length of time, Ryan Saunders coached Cole Aldrich. So they go way, way back. So Cole is really happy for his good friend, Ryan Saunders. So a week ago, I went to the Target Center to watch Wolves Magic. Yes. And it was pretty empty, and there were some, there were some excited fans, and th- those folks, for the most part, yelled, Fire Tibbs! Well, especially when Orlando was up, what, 19 yeah. points? Mm-hmm. And, that, and that was about it. Fast forward to tonight, Mavericks downtown. What is the expectation for Ryan Saunders' head coaching debut at home as far as crowd goes? Sure, I was just texting with a high-ranking Wolves official. They're expecting a crowd north of 16,000. Now, that's an uptick, though. I mean, you're talking about last Friday. Now, Dallas, in some ways, is a draw, right? Luka Doncic, his first trip to Target Center. Might be the last time we see Dirk. Absolutely, that too. Dirk Nowitzki, who might play just a few minutes. He shouldn't be playing, by the way. He falls (laughs) under the Zolgad rule. You don't do just no. No, no, no. I don't need to see this. One of those athletes that should have left years ago. Go out when you still have some dignity. This is now still do something in your sport. This is now sad. Anyway, I'm I'm sorry. Yeah. I just he, he can fall. still make a jump shot though. I don't care if they can get him an open look. I watched them against the Clippers a couple weeks ago. He can still make a and shot. and I can still drink six beers. But, but yeah, the day at twelve are gone, and it's just sad. Yeah, it's a struggle to get up and down the court. But yeah, I mean, so Dallas is a little bit of a draw. But yeah, this Wolves official indicates to me since the news came down late Sunday or whenever Sunday late afternoon, early evening about Tom Thibodeau that there's been an uptick in ticket sales. So you know, let's say Tibbs was coaching tonight. The crowd might have been like the Orlando game a week ago Friday. You know, maybe 11,000, 12 if they're lucky. 
So 16, maybe they get a bit more walk-up wise. So yeah, so there's there's definitely some buzz. It won't be sold out. I mean, a sellout is what, 19,000? I thought it might be. So I don't think it'll be sold out tonight. Yep. But there's definitely some sort of buzz with Ryan Saunders making his home coaching debut. Wendy joined us on the show yesterday and was fantastic. Love Wendy. As always. Yeah. Brian is Brian is always fantastic. But he went down the doogie path very much. I said, Scott Lynn's probably gone. Who who replaces him? First name, and he said he he loves this guy, Chauncey Billups. He brought up Chauncey's name immediately. He said, I'm biased because I, I work with him at ESPN, obviously, but also went into elaborate detail of just how good he thinks Chauncey Billups would be as the GM of the Timberwolves. I think he would be excellent. Now, he would need to hire a really good capologist or retain somebody in-house, a Noah Kroom, a Manny Roham. But, yeah, I think whenever he decides, and I do think it's a matter of when, not if, he decides to run a front office, I think he will do an excellent job. Now, where Wendy is right, I actually recorded my podcast about the same time you had him on, and our intel matches up. Hmm. That Chauncey's guy for coach is Ty Lue. That I'll even add something that Wendy didn't have on the air. Yeah. That Ty Lue is the godfather of one of Chauncey's kids. That's how close those two are. Now, logically speaking, it would make sense. I brought this up with you on Monday on these airwaves. Mm-hmm. That follow the Detroit Pistons model or any number of models, but more recently, Detroit. Last late April, early May, they dismiss Stan Van Gundy. They bring in Ed Stefanski, Kevin's dad. And Ed then led the coaching search that resulted in the hiring of Dwayne Casey. Mm -hmm. So logically speaking, that makes sense, right? For the Wolves at some point, and I do think Scott Layden is dead man walking, but who knows? Maybe it's Scott, but... You find somebody to it's, run the front it's office. Not gonna be it's not going to be scared. It's yeah. not. Let's it not kill ourselves. Yeah. So you find somebody to run the front office. Yep. Then you allow that individual yes. to hire the head coach. So if that happens to be Jerry Stackhouse, Ty Lue. That's probably not Monty Fre- Williams. That's probably not Fred then, right? Maybe not Fred, Fred Hoiberg. Fred would yeah. be Glenn's guy. Okay. And, you know, I'm sure Ryan, I mean, heck, right? You're the interim coach. You earn an opportunity to interview. So if he knocks the socks off of the new boss, so be it. But I don't think the Wolves are going to use logic. I don't. That, I think, that's what I told Phil. I think it's that's, more likely. You know what's funny you say I that? I think it's I more likely they Phil, bring in a coach first. Phil went through yeah. this whole thing of this is the idea. And Phil's right. Like between between what Brian said and Phil said, it sounds fantastic. And then I said, Phil, stop. And he said, what? And I said, this is Glenn. We're dealing with the Wolves. Well, it's just like when David Kahn got hired and went through his first draft in 2009 when he took Rubio and Johnny Flynn and he hadn't hired, they hadn't hired Kurt Rambis yet. They had no coach and they went through the first, the first draft. If you're David Kahn and you have no head coach in place to like offer an opinion on, yeah, Hey, maybe we shouldn't take Johnny Flynn. Maybe we should take that Curry kid instead, or that DeRozan kid instead or something like that. I mean, you just, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta follow the, you gotta follow the right, Protocol the right the right direction. So, with do, this. Duke, do you know Glenn pretty well, though? I are, do. Now he turned are you down. Convi- are you convinced? My that- offer to come on the podcast this okay. week. But are you? But I do. But are you convinced? I mean, it's been so many laps around the block. I don't know this, but at some point in time, is he gonna just sort of reassess and listen to, to people? The the Chauncey formula thing doesn't seem that difficult to me. Like that, it's not out of left field. He hasn't done this before, but he's a really smart guy. He's got a. a History here. Also, importantly, it's not the most important thing, 
But the other part of the Chauncey formula to me that works perfectly is it's DeAndre to get KG back. Right? Because they're buddies. Anyway, I'm just saying Glenn could go a long way towards making... Maybe. Yes, they are buddies. At Glenn's age, he could go a long way. But as long as Glenn is owning the team, I don't know if KG wants to be that involved. I'm just... Well, no, but but our point is get them back in the building. Get the 21 to the rafters. Quit making your organization a laughingstock. Listen, if KG doesn't want to be involved, that's fine. But if KG's willing to come back and stand at center court as we raise his 21 to the rafters, the best player in Wolves history, without a doubt, it's those type of things that distance you from being a laughingstock. There's I, no reason why he can KG can show up to that Blazers game, the, the Prince Night game, and be sitting in the stands. There's no reason, if he can do that, that they can't find a way to get him back for a ceremony to get 21 raised I agree, in the but I've told you this many times. Glenn claims to me that the invitation has been extended. It's been extended for a long time. That's the Chauncey And it's point, on though. KG to say yes. So you're can saying Chauncey, Chauncey would be the bridge? Chauncey can can facilitate in. that. And that's not the most important thing, but it's a little thing exactly. that, that would go along. Is it that big of a deal? If I thought Chauncey was going to be a complete bust in the job, I would say, no, it's a dumb idea. But I don't think he will be. I think he would be good. I think he would be very good. And, and I'll tell you what, it even if it's just for one night, they will pack the house. If you get if you get if you announce that KG's number twenty one is gonna get retired and raised in the rafters at Target Center, there will be nineteen thousand people oh, in easily. that arena. Yes. Yeah, no, by far. It just, would be like the return of KG, that wizards exactly. game. Just yes. stop being a joke. Yeah. Like do everything you can to stop being a laughing stock. Well, I mean, you know when that happens, in all likelihood, when Glenn sells the team. When he sells it to the guy that's a limited partner, the New York City guy, that was here on Sunday. Okay. Uh, Gophers OC. He was, according to a report out of West Virginia, he was basically out the door to join his buddy who got the head coaching job there. Then the Star Tribune talked to a source that said, not so fast, he's not gone, and then he actually decided to stay. Yes, Kirk Shiraka. So here's the backstory. You circle back to last Saturday, P.J. Fleck reached out to some players and told these players, hey, there is a chance. Nothing has been decided yet, but I just want to keep you in the loop. There is a chance that Shiraka is going to West Virginia. The new West Virginia coach is Neil Brown. He came from Troy. Kirk and Neil go way, way back. They coached many years ago together at Delaware. Chirac is from the state of Pennsylvania. I'm told he has a son who will play college lacrosse out east starting next year. So there certainly were some draws. And I also know that Kirk thinks the world of Neil Brown. So not only did they coach together, I mean, there's a close relationship there. In fact, I know that Kirk had some Gophers players within the last year, year plus, watch film of Troy's offense. Because that's what he thinks of not only Neil the person, but Neil the coach. That he just thinks Neil is great. So I know the draw was strong, but I'll also say this much. The coach that P.J. Fleck is closest with is Kirk Sharaka. Mm-hmm. Kirk and P.J. are incredibly close. Rutgers, right? I'm told, yeah, I think that's where maybe... They, they go back yeah. to Rutgers. I was told that after the 13-win Western Michigan season, mm-hmm. and then P.J. comes here, that Sharaka had a chance to be the offensive coordinator at Auburn. Pretty darn good job, right? Yeah. He tells Auburn no to come here because he loves PJ. Now, presumably, he's going to get some sort of bump in pay 
and he likes what they've built so far here. I mean, you look at the offense this past year. It was great, right? Three receivers, right? I think they have four. Okay. I think Demetrius Douglas, Omar's kid, is a really good receiver. That's a lot. And he's almost lost in the bunch. That's a lot. I know. Yeah, like to me, Demetrius is good enough to be a number two or number three Hmm. on a lot of Big Ten teams. But with Altman Bell, with Bateman, with Tyler Johnson, I haven't heard that Tyler's going pro. I think he should go pro, personally. The deadline, what is today? January 11th. He has until what, like early next week to declare? I think he should declare. Yeah. I just think it's a weaker. If you compare this draft to next year's draft, I think this one is weaker right. at the wide receiver position. Do I think he's ready? Not necessarily, but I think he could go middle rounds and just start your pro He dro- He dropped some passes. He made some unbelievable catches, but he dropped some that he should definitely catch. Agree. In 2019. Yeah, here. although it got better as the year went on. It did. I just It was a bigger issue earlier in the season. I just season. don't know if I saw a guy. I saw a guy who I thought would improve by staying in college next year, but I didn't realize that the wide receiver draft class was going to be weak going into this yeah, one. Yeah, and of course I looked at that. Not a ton, but yeah. The understanding is, and it can all change, but yeah, that this... This is not a bad wide receiver draft, yeah. but it's going to be better in a year. But I know that getting his degree is a really big deal. So, yeah, I would not be surprised if if Tyler Johnson stays for a senior year. Doogie breaking down the receiver class is... Football! Football, yeah! That would be... Welcome to the Nerd Club. Although, no, I'm not I'm not into the X's and O's like that. That's you were, oh, wait, wait, wait. I know, but you just said you were breaking down. I did a Google receiver. search and read somebody's story. And you know what that calls for? Football! <laughs> football, yeah! Football! Yeah, football, yeah, football. We don't discriminate yeah, here. Yeah, I think it was Matt Miller. I don't know who it was. McShay. Did you watch any sort of video at all, Doogie? Because that qualifies as watching film. Man, I wish I if had If you the watch time. a YouTube video for five seconds even, his that's kids, watching film. His kids bugged him too quickly. <laughs> you know what the last YouTube clip I watched? It was the cleanup song. So I could get my seven-year-old and my four-year-old to clean up a mess the other day. That's the videos I watch on YouTube. I don't have time to watch football tape. I'm sorry, the what song? If you Google it, go to YouTube. It's called the cleanup song. It's got like 12 million hits. It's a two-and-a-half-minute song that convinces the kids to clean up their toys. Got any more scoops before we uh, say goodbye? The Twins avoid arbitration with all the guys. And I know that they're still... And you said Gibson agreed? He did, yeah. 8 one, two, five. Because he went last year, yeah, right? Yeah, he did. And lost. Yeah, I didn't even tweet that out. I'm sorry. Been all over the place today. It's out With in the some personal right stuff. But yeah, eight one two five for Gibson. But yeah, they avoid arbitration with all those guys. And I know that they're still monitoring the pitching market. Mm-hmm. But nothing is imminent. I know that Thad Levine is down in the Dominican right now, spending some time with Miguel Sano. But yeah, oh, I mean, really? there's oh really? Yeah, okay. He is. So but there's yeah, a second there's, guy. Okay. Yeah. But there's there's so many good pitchers out there still. But yeah, I mean, there's just, there's nothing going on. Like Drew Pomerantz to me would make some Base- sense. You get him for cheap. Baseball has to do something to get its star free agent player signed quicker. This is un- this Machado Harper thing to me is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's agree. Boring. I, the whole system's broken, right? Yes. Like, how does Byron Buxton, with all due respect, because I'm still a big Buxton fan. Yes. Like, at 23 years old, two years ago, he earned MVP votes. He won the Platinum Gold Glove. Yep. Yet made peanuts. Then he struggles this past year, and he goes from $570,000 to $1.75 million. Yeah. But then you can't reach free agency until... Six years. In Buxton's case, it looks like seven. That's good. Because they wouldn't call him up in September. That's going to change. The whole system is screwed that up. needs to change. Baseball, I'm telling you. Gentlemen, I don't know when the CBA is up. Is it two years? I think it's tw- it's 21, and I was going to say, gentlemen, we are, headed, yeah. we are headed for the first strike since 94. 
or mm-hmm. in, or I guess it's the a players would be more ironic. Right? Well, the players would be more ironic to not strike. They better strike. I'm telling you, that system needs to be fixed. There's two sports. There's two that have to strike: baseball, and they will, and the National Football League. And I think they will too. And if those well, guys, well, no, but the problem is there's so many guys who need the paycheck and don't care. Yeah, that they they don't care. I'm so, pausing on that now. Yeah. So if I am the 44th guy on the roster, do I care about 2028? Some star player no, who gets screwed by the You're system? Right. I don't. Yeah, but if right. NFL players with the money that's made in that league, if they don't go out, they're crazy. Mm-hmm. They're crazy. But Thank- yeah, baseball. I'm just telling you, just. Thank you, sir. What a screwed up system. Check out the Scoop Podcast, as I said, 1500ESPN.com, iTunes, Podcast One, all those good places. Always great stuff from Doogie. We appreciate his time. Mackie joins at four as we move to full strength because, of course, that's debatable. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Just hold your ass right there. On 1500 ESPN. What is it you're trying to say? Now, back to Mackie and Judd. What? On 1500 ESPN. All right, check on traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. It's brought to you by Consolidated Communications. Highway 100, we've got a uh, crash northbound St. Louis Park between Cedar Lake Road and 394. It's causing about a four-minute delay there, Judd. I got a question for you, Manny Hill. Yes, sir. So you're, you're going to uh, Wolves Mavs tonight yourself. Mm-hmm. All right, we decided after the Butler trade that player-wise, this team became pretty likable. Wiggy will drive you crazy. But Mm -hmm. I I don't think he's a bad guy. I just think he drives you crazy. But Rocco works his butt off. The team was, you watch that team and you thought, I like these guys. How eminently lovable is this team now with Ryan coaching them? Oh, they're very, very Because I liked, I liked the players, but we always had the... Um, the grumpy coach. The grumpy coach. The Grinch. Bellowing, bellowing up and down the sidelines, yeah. But I look at this team now, it's a really likable collection of people top to bottom, basically. Yeah, and it's... When I look at the... It's not really as poorly constructed as it was last year. I thought last year... They they were very top heavy with the starting lineup. Their starting line, their starting five was very good overall as a unit, but they just had some depth issues. And you know Jamal Crawford, albeit good guy, just wasn't as effective. Talk to the media to far too much. Oh yeah, apparently yeah. Talk to the can't can't talk to the can't talk to the media ever. Um, but but this I I like the the makeup of this roster. I think they've got a little more depth than they did you know than they had last year. Now last year, in terms of wins and losses, they were better. But I think when you look at the makeup of this roster, and there's going to be some guys that won't be on the team next year, I like the overall core. And if Ryan Saunders can get Wiggins to be how we're hoping that he can that, be, that would change. That's, that's the biggest. That's the big elephant in the room that they have to figure out. I'm not counting on that, but if that begins to happen, mm-hmm. everything switches. Yeah, if they can get that, then they've got with obviously Cat, and you got. Covington under contract for another, I think, three years after this year. And he, you got Sarich. And he w- will not be abused. That's the other good thing. Right. Getting Tibbs out is great for Covington. Mm-hmm. Because that was, once again, getting to be a, I'll just play him constantly. Well, he yeah, can't play, you can't play that and, style constantly, Tom. And then he's out there with not, a bone bruise on his knee, and he's playing, and then now he's out for, I mean, we still don't even know how long he's going to be out for. Um, Mackie joins the show next, TCL Broadcast Studios. It is just about time for a new year of right 
that down. Don't go anywhere. Assume the position. More Mackie and Judd coming up next on 1500 ESPN.